I'm Chad Parkman with Parkman Farms in Lavernia, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Thanks so much for taking time to join us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, all segments of the cattle market have set new record highs this week. Of course, short cattle supplies are a big reason for that, but strong demand is supporting those prices also. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Here in the Texas High Plains, a lot of area farmers are exploring prevented planting. I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The keys to successful weed management on the Texas High Plains while farmers continue to face challenges during the growing season. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more in my report on Texas Ag Today. This is James Duggan in Marshall. We're going to do a little traveling this week, so you just come on and stay with us, kind of surveying the situation as we prepare for summertime and the pre-summer activity is underway. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. For over a year now, economists and cattle market analysts have been predicting exactly what is happening this week. A shrinking cow herd and short supplies of cattle will cause the market to reach record levels. And that's exactly what we've seen happen. Live and feeder cattle futures, cash, fed, and feeder cattle all hitting record levels this week. But the supply of cattle isn't the only factor at play here. Texas A&M livestock market economist Dr. David Anderson says demand is also playing a big part in this. Even with the huge price increases in cattle and beef, consumers show no signs of backing down and they're willing to pay these high prices for high-quality beef. So far, they have been. You know, and I think that points to uh, the real wild card in this market going forward is that is, do we really enter some recessionary period? So the Federal Reserve certainly has been increasing rates, but it's using that tool to try to bring down inflation, to bring down prices, and we do that through cutting demand for everything. Yet so far, those efforts haven't seen much in the way of coming to fruit, at least certainly on the demand side for beef. Anderson says the economy does seem to be slowing down a bit, but employment is strong and beef demand is strong as well. 
The massive turnaround in the weather this year has brought out some advice from some farmers who have been around a while. Danny Crinky has been farming for 50 years in the northeast Texas panhandle, and he says these last few weeks remind him of some advice he got from his dad. He said, well, as long as I farmed, I don't know any more now than I did before. But he did tell me there's two things. If you're a farmer and you believe it's not going to rain again, you better quit. The other thing was, is when it does start raining, the longer it stays dry, the more it will rain. And so that probably describes what this season has been. That part of Texas has gone from a two-year drought to massive rainfall in just a few short weeks. And all of that rainfall is now causing problems with planting delays. Yeah, and I'm caught up in the middle of that as well. I have not one acre of irrigated corn planted. We made the determination early on, looking at the long-term weather and looking at the models and everything, that we were going to not pre-water. It takes probably as dry as we were, four to six inches of irrigation to get a profile ready. So we made the decision we were going to wait. Statewide corn planting is just about complete with 94% of the corn crop in the ground. A lot of Texas High Plains farmers are exploring prevented planting this year. James Hunt has the story from Amarillo. Prevented planting is so uncommon to our area that no one is very familiar with it. So we've spent a lot of time just guiding our customers through what the options are. That's Rachel Myers of Myers Crop Insurance in Claude, who says she's been receiving a bunch of calls from producers who are at least considering not planting a crop this season after being kept out of their fields by all the rain we've gotten the past few weeks. Prevented planting is an option available to farmers, but Myers says it's definitely not a one-size-fits-all proposition, and talking with your crop insurance agent before moving ahead is strongly advised. I've had so many people call and say, hey, my neighbor's going to do this, and they said, you know, it's going to do this, this, and this. And there's so much misinformation and bad information floating around right now, and I don't think that's anyone's fault. It's just that, like I said, each situation is so, so different that I can't encourage you enough to talk to your agent. Don't just say, yeah, I want to do this. We ran some numbers this last week, and it's a terrible option for certain people, and it's a very viable option for others. So don't get caught up in the storm of listening to your neighbor or your friend or someone else that's encouraging you to do something because it may not fit your operation. One thing to know is that your deadline for filing a prevented planting claim is effective just a few days after your crop insurance planting deadline. So time is of the essence, especially for cotton farmers seeking to make a prevented planting claim. Meanwhile, Myers is optimistic for all the farmers who will be able to plant crops this season. What a great year to finally have moisture, and hopefully this is a year that we're going to rebound off of some of these continuous drought years and make a great crop. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Recent rains have brought on a lot of weeds this spring. Tom Nicoletti looks at some of the weed challenges that Texas farmers and ranchers are facing. My guest today is Peter Dotre. He is a Texas Tech Rockwell Chair of Weed Science, and he is also a joint appointment with Texas A&M AgriLife Research and Extension Service. And Dr. Dotre, you talked to a number of farmers recently up on the High Plains about the keys to success of weed management. To summarize your 
main points there. First principle I'd say is, is knowing the weeds that we're trying to control, proper weed identification, starting clean is another very important principle, and then relying on residual chemistries and timely post-emergent herbicides to control weeds that are coming up in season. You mentioned a number of weed management challenges. One would be herbicide availability and cost. Yes, in the last couple of years that certainly has been a concern. As dry as it was last year, maybe it didn't quite pan out the way we had expected it to. I'm certainly encouraging growers to make sure that they're deciding on what chemistries are most important to them and making sure that they can secure them. Another challenge is farmers are addressing more herbicide-resistant weeds to begin with. We tend to see more weeds that are responding differently to the chemistries that we're using. We need to be diversified in the modes of actions of the inputs that we're using and not over-rely on a given chemistry that today might be very effective, but through selection pressure, some of those weeds, which are very resilient, might start to withstand some of those herbicides. Another issue that farmers uh, need to address and keep in mind are uh, label restrictions and changes in uh, labeling. And that can occur with really any chemistry, but most recently we've been concerned about some of the newest technologies. EPA has suggested that changes were coming. We've been anticipating those changes, but nothing has changed for high plane producers than what we saw last year. That is Dr. Peter Dotre, both with uh, Texas Tech and Texas A&M Universities. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. 2023 is turning into a great year for agriculture in East Texas. James Duncan has an update from Marshall. Traveling throughout the East Texas area, we're looking and visiting with cattle producers, produce farmers, just a little bit of everybody. Peaches, oh, listen, we're going to have an excellent peach crop getting ready for that first picking to come off the, the trees. Now, the first cutting of hay, for the most part, has been wrapped up. We had some difficulty getting getting it all done in time to get things set up for the second cutting, but every producer that I talked to is uh, just thrilled with what they turned out with. Even the ryegrass that they cut, they had a little difficulty getting it cured just right because the temperatures were cool during that period, so they kind of had to crush it and do a little extra wind rolling and things like that. But they got that ryegrass rolled up, so they've got hay already. In the, in the barn, so to speak, uh, for the next uh, season coming this year. Now then, this first cutting's over, and if we get everything just right, if they fertilize, this is what one producer told me, if I'd fertilize, I'd get another cutting first of July. But I'm not going to fertilize this year. I'm going to kind of use some residue that we've got there in the, in the soil, so it'll be around the 10th to the 15th before I get that second cutting. So it's going to be a little later. Uh, than uh, July 1st, but uh, it'll still be a good cutting, clean of weeds and things of that nature. Farmers markets are opened up throughout the area, and they had excellent starts for the year. The produce is there. Buyers are there. Everyone wants good, fresh produce. Watermelons, well, they're in the ground, and we're looking for them to come off those good, sweet East Texas melons around the uh, July 1st time. From Memorial Day to July 1st is always a waiting period for everybody that loves watermelons. And we also got some other crops that uh, the folks will be looking at. Beef cattle are doing well right now. Grazing's good. Market could always be better, as uh, everybody knows. That's always the situation. All that activity on the farm, but yet we still got a lot of good baseball for the youth going on. Got good fishing on the lakes. Everybody... It just seems to be of the attitude 
Summer is here. Going to be that way. This is James Duncan reporting from East Texas for Texas Ag Today. Time is running out for Texas landowners to sign up for a program designed to improve migratory bird habitat. I'm Jessica Dommel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And injecting steroids into horses' joints is very common for arthritis. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to insure your home for Texas-sized weather. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Injecting steroids into horses' joints is very common for arthritis. Dr. Bob Judd says a new study shows an oral steroid may be just as effective. Corticosteroids have been injected into equine joints for over 50 years, and yet there are no studies indicating the best drug to use and the correct dosage to use. There are studies showing that corticosteroids injected into joints can have both beneficial as well as deleterious effects. However, intraarticular administration of drugs is not without some risk, including joint infection. Also, administering intraarticular meds in some joints can be dangerous for the veterinarian as we have to get under the horse for some of the back leg injections. And joint injections can be expensive due to the cost of the medication and the time required to perform the procedure, including a sterile prep at all of the injection sites. Recently, Dr. David Ramey indicates that the corticosteroid prednisolone has been used orally in humans with arthritis and was shown to be effective. He indicates he has used oral prednisolone in horses with arthritis in multiple joints for several years and horses seem to have responded. To determine if prednisolone was present in the joints of horses after oral administration, a study was performed on six horses, which were given 400 milligrams prednisolone orally, and samples of joint fluid were tested at three hours. All joints tested contained prednisolone. So it is possible some horses with arthritis could be treated with oral prednisolone instead of injecting the joints. The correct dosage to use to treat arthritis has not been worked out at this point, but the one concern with giving oral prednisolone is the development of laminitis. However, laminitis is a potential concern in susceptible horses, whether you are giving it orally or as a joint injection. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Time is running out for Texas landowners to sign up for a program designed to improve migratory bird habitat. Jessica Domo has more in today's wildlife report. Texas farmers and ranchers just have a few days left to apply for a new initiative designed to protect and improve habitat for migratory birds and waterfowl. Applications for the Migratory Bird Resurgence Initiative are accepted by the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Natural Resources Conservation Service year-round. However, to be considered for funding in the next fiscal year, landowners must get their application in by June 15th. Charles Knieper, State Resource Conservationist for NRCS Texas, joins us with more on the Voluntary Conservation Program. 
it's aimed at preserving, protecting, and improving habitat for migratory waterfowl, shorebirds, and other avian species. One of the core practices for the program in Texas is shallow water development and management. All of the things that we would identify through resource concerns and the alternatives that we would develop for individuals is completely voluntary on their part. Once they enter a contract for financial assistance with us, we'll develop a specification for what any individual would need to do to address those limiting factors for those migratory birds. So if they were in need of, say, food species, they may have a situation where they have adequate standing water, but they need food. We're going to design that practice so that we're going to plant the food on site versus if they have, say, food plants, but we need to do something to get water to be standing or to inundate the field somewhere. We'll do different activities such as diking or anything that can help hold water in place so that they have that shallow water area that they'll be in. Interested landowners can apply at their local NRCS office. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Dolmel. It's time to check the markets. Jessica will be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau health plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle complex traded lower on Thursday as corn traded higher and following a report that beef exports were down 29% from the week prior. June live cattle down 22 cents to 178.77. August live cattle down 95 cents to 172.25. October live cattle down 92 cents to 174.70. August feeder cattle down 45 cents to 238.65. September feeder cattle down 80 cents to 241.47. October feeder cattle fell a dollar 10 to 243.45. Boxed beef was higher Thursday, choice up $2.55 to $327.74, select rose $2.15 to $303.71. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Phil Brockenbush, my guest, Giddings Livestock, sales on Monday. Phil, how did it turn out? Yes, sir, we wound up with 1,629 total. We had 289 sellers and 73 buyers on a really good market. The uh, calf market was outstanding, and the cows and bulls were higher, so it was a really good day. Walk the pins with us. All right, your steers, 300 back average, 264, brought up to 315. Three to four weights, 254 to 310. Four to five weights, 237 to 287 and a half. Five to six weights, 
weights 224 to 257 and a half. Six to seven weights 210 to 235. Seven to eight weights 183 to 210. Your heifer mates 300 back average 232 brought up to 280. Three to four weights 221 to 280. Four to five weights 214 to 280. Five to six weights 208 to 260. Six to seven weights 197 to 225. Seven to eight weights 184 to 205. Your bull yearling seven to 850 pounds a dollar 60 to 210. 850 to a thousand pounds 125 to 195. Your high yielding bulls 115 to 127. Medium yielding bulls 99 to 114. High yielding cows a dollar to a dollar 13 and a half. Medium yielding cows 75 to 85. Little thin cows 40 to 70. Sold a few pairs. Had a few decent little old pairs. They brought from seven and a quarter to 2100. The bread cows brought from 700 to 1975. So it's a pretty good day. Get a little shot of rain and heck, everything's looking good. Are you aware of anything for this next Monday? We'll have probably 150 or so young cows next week. The best one, best black cow walking to just kind of a little old, you know, crossbred cow. Uh, we'll have some really good ones and then some kind of planter type cows, but they'll all be young. They'll be pears and, and bread cows. So we'll have one for everybody. And, and there'll probably be oh, 150 that I know of. So good. Well, it's a good start to a great sale this next Monday in Giddingsville. Tell everybody how to contact you. Uh, you can call me at 979-716-4395 or call the barn at 979-542-2274. I'm Larry Marble. This has been Walking the Pins, Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're listening on Texas Ag Today. Lean hogs were mixed on Thursday. Analysts say traders were a bit cautious due to some outside pressures. Pork cutout values were higher Thursday. June lean hogs down two cents to 87.67. July lean hogs up 27 cents to 87.20. June class three milk fell 15 cents to 15.15 a hundred weight. July class three milk down 49 cents to 16.04 a hundred weight. We saw seesaw action in the cotton market on Thursday due to a number of factors, including the release of the weekly export sales report by the U.S. Department of Agriculture and a falling U.S. dollar. July cotton fell 70 points to 84.31. October cotton rose 33 points to 83.95. Despite a soft weekly export sales report, corn traded higher on Thursday. July corn up six to six ten and a quarter. September corn up three and a half to five twenty-eight and a half. July hard red wheat up sixteen and three quarters to eight oh four and three quarters. September hard red wheat up seventeen and three quarters to eight oh three and three quarters. July natural gas rose two cents Thursday to two thirty-five. August natural gas fell a penny to two forty-three. July West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil fell a dollar twenty-eight Thursday to seventy-one twenty-five. August crude oil down a dollar twenty-four to seventy-one forty a barrel. The Dow rose hundred and eighty points Thursday to thirty-three thousand eight hundred and forty-five. The S and P five hundred up twenty-five points to four thousand two hundred and ninety-two. And the Nasdaq up hundred and twenty-one points to thirteen thousand two hundred and twenty-five. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. Be sure to join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domal, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.